Welcome to No No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women. the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and and the bad shit crazy. Hi, Lenny. Hi, Rose. How How you doing? How are you today? I'm nice. I took today off. It was a nice day. I feel like I'm in timeout right now, but otherwise I'm good. I got Lynn a new... um... She got me a black screen, so she'll have to look at my face. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's called a black screen. Um, it's a big dot over my face. It's like it's like she put a it's a pop filter, a, a it, pot filter, a pop filter. I'm not smoking. It's because pot whenever I have to edit, Lynn, she's like chewing ice. She's making noises. She's <laughs> slamming things on the table. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Lynn, look, I got you something shiny and new. <laughs> Yeah, and so when I'm talking into it, Rose can't see my face. And let's talk about why she really got it. That's part of the great thing. Because you're falling in love with me, and and you're trying (laughs) to hide my face, so you it's a distraction. You're actually wearing makeup today. You look very pretty. Thank you. We went to breakfast this morning. Not that you look ugly when you're not wearing makeup. (laughs) I know. I know, but I look tired when I don't wear makeup. Um, uh, Not that anyone else does, just to each his own. Everyone do their own thing, but I feel like I look tired when I don't wear makeup, but I am very tired today. <laughs> um, we went, I went to breakfast this morning with the kids and my mom because, um, so my daughter is here from Alaska. Yay! And my son was here from New York. And then um, he went back to New York. My, my daughter's still here from Alaska. And then my other daughter is my youngest is he was here yesterday and this morning. Um, Causing trouble. Yeah, always. She's such a troublemaker. troublemaker. I can say anything I want because she don't listen. Um, <laughs> we need to start talking about her. I know we should. We totally should. Um, but anyway, she um, she came in for just like 24 hours. And so we went to breakfast with my mom so my mom could see her because my mom hasn't seen her in a while. Aww. And it was, oh, my God, it was so freaking good. We went to Wahiro's. What did you get? The Miami Eatery. I had tacos and it was like skirt steak and chopped up french fries and oh my god for breakfast they were and eggs they were oh there were eggs in it i guess they had eggs in them i don't know they were so good rose (laughs) i'm telling you i gobbled them up and i'm looking around at everyone else i'm like you can finish that (laughs) but oh my god their beans are amazing and the guy that waited on it it's just like in this town it's hard to get good service and the guy that waited on us was like on point he was great okay it's only hard for lynn to get service because whenever you go anywhere with lynn she gets the worst service no matter what it's awful well this was it's like every single time (laughs) it really is it's like i have a big like (laughs) scarlet letter on me it's horrible but um no he was amazing and then we asked him the refried beans there have this great amazing flavor and i so we asked him, and he basically told us what was in them. He's like, it's, like, simple. It's, like, you know, cumin, onions, garlic, and beans. There's, like, no lard or bacon fat or oh, anything okay. in them. And I was like, oh, my God, these are so good. And so he – and I was like, I can't believe the server knew what was in the beans. Yeah, like, right. I, in, in Charlottesville because nobody ever knows. And um, and then we were leaving, and I think my mom said, are you part owner? And he said, I am. And so oh, he, yeah, okay. It was so nice, though. I mean, I, I just oh, – God, it was – the food was so good. So I'm anyway, have to yeah. go there. I think there's so, yeah. one by my house. I'm going to give them a shout out, and uh, I'll do a little tag uh, on the Instagram for them so they can, um, yeah, you guys can go there and say that No Ordinary Women Pod sent you. Yeah. So how's your week been so far? It's a short one. So I'm recording on a different day today. Yeah, we're recording early again, and we'll record early again next week. Yeah. Next well, week we're going on a girls weekend. Yeah, we have we – have, 
signings everywhere. People want our autographed picture. <sighs> it's hard being us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our problem. Yeah, it is. It is. The paparazzi follows us. We have to duck and hide and roll and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. so. It's very hard. So um, I've been listening to this new podcast. Oh, oh, I knew which one. It's called Sisters Take a Sign. They are good. They are very good. I Yeah, I like them a lot. So they um, cover one story each week, and they're super funny. They've covered so far, they don't have too many episodes. They're, they're like us. They're fairly, fairly new. Fairly new. Yeah. They've they're, covered. They're, um, their format's good. I like their format a lot. I do, too. So one sister talks, tells a story, and then the other sister kind of reacts to it. Yeah. And then they right. kind of give their opinions on it. Right. Um, and they're super funny, and they have good chemistry. Yeah, well, they're sisters. They have to. Or they've, their parents would have beaten them, probably. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they put him in they one T-shirt. They had a normal family. <laughs> Nobody has one of those. Are you yeah. kidding? They yeah. put him in the T-shirt. They put him in the T-shirt. Yeah. The t-shirt. You will get along. <laughs> no, so, but I love I, I love their format. I love how they do that. Like the one talks and the other one listens. Yeah, and that, and that I do too. I, I started listening to the Anthony We. I listened to one last week, late last week, and then I started listening to the Anthony Anthony Weiner one today, and I'm like, oh, they're going to talk about wieners the whole time, whether they mean to or not. I know, talk yeah. Wieners. And I was just giggling like a little, you know, yeah, was... 13-year-old boy. But and was... they did um, Anna Delvey. Oh, and they did The Watcher. Have mm. you have you watched The Watcher on Netflix? They did the actual story, because the, the Netflix version is nothing like the actual story. And I feel it like was really I, good. I feel like I have watched that. What's that one about? Um, somebody sending letters. They move into a new house. Oh, my God. That is yeah. nuts. Yes. I was like, yeah. I knew I watched it. Yes. That is cr- Oh, Oh, yeah. That was a really good one. Oh, my God. When they, when they open up the dumbwaiter and the guy's sitting in there, I was like, Rah! Oh, I know. <laughs> that didn't happen in the that's, real story, but that's, that's what it I was heard. still pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still moving on, like, listening to them. I haven't. I have I've listened to I think two episodes in the trailer. So, oh. but I love having a new uh, podcast listener. I know they're they're great. So the name again, Rose Sisters Take a Side, and you can follow them at Sisters Take a Side underscore podcast on IG. Yeah, and then also we follow them, and we'll tag them in this episode um, posting, so you can um, you can reach out. You know, you can follow oh them God, and follow go them listen. from there. <laughs> <laughs> And listen to their pod. Give them some love. Yeah, give them a rate and review and follow them and say, we love you, but Lynn and Rose are our favorites. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can say whatever you want. They can be your favorites. That's fine with us. But you still have to listen and rate and review us. (laughs) There you go. So, Rose, who goes first today? Um, that's a good question. You didn't tell me about your week. You didn't tell me about your week, did you? Because it's Tuesday. So oh, it's only Tuesday. Yeah, and this sure. weekend, I didn't really do anything. Well, well you you were home with the girls, right? Yeah, I was yeah. home alone with yeah. the girls. So. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you're telling us now instead of before so we could break in your house with paparazzi, <laughs> everybody. Jeez, well, I have, Rose. I have um, Xfinity security system, so good luck. Oh. And like 16 ring cameras, so good luck getting into my house. Oh. You can get in, but you're never getting out. (laughs) I have Penelope. (laughs) Who, when somebody, like, even the wrong car drives out, somebody comes down my street that doesn't live on it, she barks. Yeah. She's like, I can't live here. Remember when I had Harks? Oh, Oh my my God. God. Harks, our dog, was psycho. She didn't let anyone in. Not even people we knew. Sometimes she was a little sketchy about us coming in. (laughs) She was very sketchy about me coming in, but I pretended like I was the boss, and she usually listened. Yeah. She never tried to bite me. I know. But. She just had her birthday a few days ago. Would have been her. Oh, she didn't have Eighth a birthday. birthday. Didn't she go? Didn't you take her to live in a farm? 
Yeah, she went to live at the farm. Yeah. She's going to be happy because she can run around and have a lot of friends and stuff. Yeah. Liar. (laughs) (laughs) Charlotte thinks she went to to live on a farm, but... Yeah, she had to go to doggy heaven. My parents did that when we had a dog when we were younger. And like as I got older and started hearing about the going to live on a farm, I was like, oh. I was <laughs> That's devastated. Be I was absolutely devastated. My mom's like, no, 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 really. We did. We sent her because we'd gotten her from like upstate New York on this farm. And they mm-hmm. gave her back to that same family, apparently. I don't know. Marianne, call me. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> she still could be lying. Who knows? Yeah, Charlotte's going to do that one day. Sometimes she'll bring it up and, and just start talking about, so do you think that Harksy's chasing, um, like, likes to chase chickens? And I'm like, Harksy's dead. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, she loves <laughs> She loves chasing chickens, I'm sure. Oh, she chases the chickens. How come, she... we can't go to, how come we can't go visit her? I'm like, oh, the farm's too far. And yeah. Harks would be sad if we saw her and she couldn't come home with us. They have an electric fence. <laughs> I know it's awful, but there's a rainbow bridge. Mm-hmm. Can't get across it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Harksy. Poor Harksy. Okay, I think I go first. Okay. I don't even have my story up. It's oh like, my God, Rose! It's about three million degrees in this. It really is. Room. Why is it so hot? I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm I was thinking die. to myself, why am I dying of the heat? But I, I mean, so I, feel like I'm I a did heat some flash. decorating, and the more I look. Um, around, I feel like it looks like a third grader did it. <laughs> um, but now that I kind of have an idea, I think I'm just going to come back in with like a staple gun. What do you think about that? Mm. That's a good idea. So we hung some drapes up in here, and it was just really hard getting them to hang up. And ugh, so I think I'm going to use a staple gun or maybe just some. I think a staple gun tax would probably work too. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, everything's kind of like sagging and But you got to get it through this. Like my skin and my belly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like my chin. So what happens after three kids? Yeah, yeah. And my sweater is like super thick. I feel like I'm Oh, no. Uh No, Mm ma'am. You better drink up that drink. So speaking of drinks. So today I made, um, I just did a spiced rum, Captain Morgan. So, spiced rum with a pineapple seltzer. So I got the double. Oh, whammy. that's what that is. Yeah, okay, it's a pineapple seltzer. So I was like, mm, that'd be it tastes nice. very do... like summery. Yeah, I was gonna do tequila with it, and I was like, I think rum would be better. I wanted to do bourbon, but then I got home and I was like, oh my god, I don't have any bourbon. And then and then we, we have found a whole here. bottle had, of bourbon. We had, we had a <laughs> bottle in a paper bag under the table here. <laughs> Now I know what Rose does. That's why she got me this big black thing so I can't <laughs> yes, see her sipping on the bourbon bottle. Anytime you go to the bathroom, I'm like taking shots. <laughs> taking shots. <laughs> so I'm always stumbling out of here. Okay. All right. So tell us, Rose. Tell us. I'm going to try not to. So one, another week of Black History Month. Week oh, yeah. two. Week two. Week two. Who are you doing? I don't know, but I found the one. You don't know who you're doing? The person I'm going to do next week. I'm so excited about it. Uh, what if it's the person I was going to do? It's not. I don't believe you. Because you're not cool enough to pick the same people as me. Um, I beg to differ, but go ahead. Okay, okay. We'll see. You know what? Let me make sure we are recording. Oh, for the love <laughs> of Pete. Just got to make sure. We are. Okay. okay. You ready? I'm ready. I was born ready. Okay. Claudette Colvin. Do you know who that is? Have you ever heard of her? No. Not that I okay. know You of. might recognize the story when I start. Claudette Colvin, Colvin was born on September 5, 1939, in Birmingham, Alabama. Her parents were Mary Jane Gadson and C.P. Austin, but she was raised by her great aunt and great uncle, Marianne and Q.P. Colvin. Q.P. Q.P. 
Aw, he should have been QT. Cutie? Yeah. <laughs> Let's change his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was QT Coven. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find much on why, like, why she wasn't raised by her parents, but I did find one article that said that she was, her parents weren't well, like, they didn't have enough money to raise her, so mm-hmm. they gave her to her great aunt and great uncle, great uncle. I don't know if they were young or what, but anyway. They moved to Montgomery, Alabama when she was eight, and she later attended Booker T. Washington High School in Montgomery. There's one of those in Norfolk. Oh, really? Yeah. Or at least it used to be. During this time, this was um, 1950s. Okay. 40s. Late 40s. Um, During this time, everything was segregated. Schools, buses, churches, and restaurants. Claudette said about her childhood, I remember during Easter one year, I was to get a pair of black patent shoes, but you could only get them from the white store. So my mother drew the outline of my feet on a brown paper bag in order to get the closest size because we weren't allowed to go in the store to try them on. So they couldn't even, like, she had to, like... Hand it to somebody. Dryer, yeah, oh, draw her feet, old. hand it to someone, and they'd bring her out the shoes. Oh, my God. Bullshit. Bullshit! So, the like, one of the good things about schools being segregated was that um, the kids in the black schools actually learn like real black history like you know what i mean like not like the bullshit they're teaching now yeah that's a good point i never thought about that yeah that's awesome i like that so um, i mean i don't like it it was segregated obviously (laughs) but i like that they were teaching them love segregation guys no 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 no. i love that they were teaching them their you know the history of right yeah like actual history yeah that's awesome not like oh the white people came in and you know had slaves, but it was a great thing. Yeah, because the so slaves great. needed a home. It was so great. <laughs> so she learned about Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. Uh, we know Sojourner. We know Sojourner. She's one of our sisters. Well, she's not our sister. I shouldn't say that. She's one of our distinguished guests. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't covered cover cupboard. <laughs> Are you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am hungry. <laughs> we haven't covered Harriet yet. Harriet Tubman. Yeah. No, we haven't. Maybe you can do her next week. Maybe. And an opera singer named Marion Anderson, who wasn't allowed to sing at Constitutional Hall just because she was black. So she sang at Lincoln Memorial instead. Wow. So on March 2nd, 1955, my mom was born in 1955. So <gasps> Is she your mother? No, she wasn't born then. Oh, sorry. She was 15. Oh. Um, but I was thinking about this the other day because um, my coworker is 60, right? And mm-hmm. she was talking about something being in a school and she goes, she goes, I think my schools were segregated. And she goes, no, maybe not. And then she goes, but I don't think there were any black kids in her. Like she didn't have mm-hmm. any black kids in her school. And I was like, yeah, I mean, when my mom went to school, same thing. Like, she was in Pennsylvania, so I'm sure they weren't segregated anymore. But well, I'm sure there weren't many black kids in our school. There was, there was definitely black kids in my school. Well, but, I mean, were... I was born in 68. <laughs> yeah, so. that's a little long. Yeah. Still a long time I never ago, asked but... my mom. I'll have to ask my mom. She went, yeah, I don't, I think yeah, she you should ask private mom. school. But I don't know. I'll ask her. So on March 2nd, 1955, Claudette was riding home from school on the city bus. The way it worked was that. So, I mean, you obviously know this, but some people might not. So with segregated buses, the white people sat in the front, Mm -hmm. black people sat in the back. And as more white people would get on, black people would have to stand up and give up their seats. And so on this day, um, Claudette and her friends were sitting in a row more than halfway on the bus. And 
there were like two seats on the right side and and then an aisle and then two seats on the left mm-hmm. and her and her three friends were sitting like across from each other so a white passenger comes in and is standing in the aisle between them and the driver like yells back like you need to move you need to get up and go in the back and so Claudette's three friends get up and they they move they go in the back and Claudette stays there and she's like I would have got up if the person was elderly, but this was like a young white woman. She could have stood up. You know what I mean? Like the principle of it. And you couldn't even sit in the same role as. Oh, so if it it was like, yeah, I see what you mean. Like Like it wasn't like one person could get up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like like they had to have the the whole entire role. So she sat there like waiting for Claudette to move and Claudette's like just sitting there like I'm not moving. And her friends are probably freaking out. Right, like her right. friends. Like, yeah, yeah, like, like she, she actually trouble. said one of the like a girl in the back yelled, um, "You're you're gonna all, you're always gonna be black, but you're gonna be dead or something." Yeah, like she yelled something like that to oh, her. Oh god, that had to be stressful for everyone else too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, it's scary. So, Claudette tells the driver she was like at this time learning about constitutional rights and. Ooh. And all of that in school. And so she tells the driver, she's like, it's my constitutional right to sit here as much as that lady. Knowledge is power. Right. She's like, I paid my fare. It's my constitutional right. And she knew that she deserved to sit in that seat as mm-hmm. much as that white woman. She did. Absolutely. And she said that she felt like Harriet and Sojourner were pushing down on her shoulder saying, don't get up, girl. Ooh, and she's like, that's that she's gave like, me the chills. I, I gave me Ooh, the chills too. That's, that's so, so weird. cool. I love that. <laughs> and her teacher had taught her so much about them that she mm-hmm. was like, she felt like they were there with him and she felt oh so God, empowered. So cool. I know, I got the full body chills. So um, the driver keeps going and then I guess he had like radioed to the cops or whatever <sighs> and the cops get on. Because this is a police matter for sure, Rose. Right. And, Let me put down my donut and head yeah. on over there. <laughs> and yeah, I get this 15-year-old girl. And she was a tiny 15-year-old girl. Yeah, she was a tiny girl. So they get on and they're like, why won't you give up your seat? And she sits there and tells them, I'm not moving. I'm going to sit here because I deserve to sit here. I paid my fare. It's my constitutional right. I'm not moving. Amen, sister. So one of them like knocks her books off her lap and the other one grabs her her arm and they drag like drag her off the bus she's like kicking and screaming and instead of taking her to juvenile um to like a juvenile detention center they take her to like the regular adult jail oh that's a good idea yeah Hmm. they put her in a cell with nothing but a broken sink and a cot with a mattress oh i thought you were gonna say they put her with a bunch of men no (laughs) you know surprisingly um and she was terrified. She's, like, alone with these white people. She knew that white people would do anything. Like, they yeah. they literally could do anything to you and yeah. get away with it. Oh, absolutely. Jail's scary, man. Right. And not even, I mean, just on the streets they could do anything, but let yeah. alone in a in jail a, where in, nobody yeah. could see her. Absolutely. She was, yeah, she was terrified. So about three hours later, her mom arrived um, with her pastor to bail her out. And the first the first thing her mom says to her was, well, Claudette, you finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> she knew that Claudette was struggling and um, with all the injustice and that she would eventually do something to try to stop it. Yeah. So after she was released, the family and the entire community were afraid that the KKK would attack her house. And so they like mm. stayed up overnight um, 
with shotgun. Like her dad stayed outside with a shotgun, and the community was like all on alert to make sure that nothing happened. Like it's just so disgusting that people had to live like this. I know it just, it is. It's absolutely disgusting. So Claudette was the first person to be arrested for challenging Montgomery's bus segregation policies. So her story made a few local papers. But nine months later, the same act of defiance by Rosa Parks was reported all over the world. Like Claudette, Rosa Parks was commuting home and was seated in the colored section of the bus. That's, you know, in quotes, colored section yeah, of the bus. Yeah, right, right. Not my words. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to clarify that. When the white seats were filled, the driver asked Parks and three others to give up their seats. Like Claudette, Rosa Parks refused and was arrested and fined. So this is super interesting, and I bet you didn't know this because I didn't know it. I know it. No, you Do you want me to tell it. the story? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'll sit here and drink my drink. <laughs> I'm actually going to go get my dinner and eat it while okay, you just okay, no. <laughs> take over. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, it's sad that I don't know because I should be more educated. Well, I know. And I just heard about this, like, not even, like, within a year or so. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, they don't teach you shit. And I think I learned about Rosa Parks from a freaking podcast. Well, yeah, I, I, I really didn't learn in high school. I mean, so. I know. Yeah, neither did I because I homeschooled myself. But <laughs> <laughs> I homeschooled it by just not going to school. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn street schooled. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a lot of common sense. So Claudette actually knew Rosa Parks and because she was in her youth group. Oh, wow. And um, so, so were they around the same age? Sorry. No, Rosa Parks was a lot older. Oh, okay. Okay. Rosa Parks was, okay, knowing the story of Rosa Parks, how old do you think she was? I thought she was in like her 20s. Okay, no, she wasn't. See, I always thought of her like as some old lady, but she's, oh, no. I think she was in her 40s. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why I thought she was in her 20s. I always thought of her like some frail old lady was like, I'm not giving up my seat. Because yeah. that's kind of how they teach it to you, but that's yeah. not at all what happened. Yeah. I'll cover that one day. Um, Claudette said Rosa was very gentle and soft-spoken, but she always said they needed to fight for their freedom. So she would say, like, she was, like, the nicest person. She's like, I, she knew how I liked my coffee. She was always, like, getting stuff for us. She would let kids stay there, but she was firm, like, you need to behave yourself if you're mm-hmm. here. Um, but she said when they would talk about, like, segregation and stuff, because she, they were both working with the NAACP, uh-huh. she said Rosa would turn into, like, a different person. Oh, my gosh. Because she was so... Um, Charismatic? That's not the word I'm looking for. But, yeah, she was she was so, like... Impressionable? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like... I don't know. Trying sure. to help. I'm trying to help. So, um... Oh, my God. Determined? Strong? No. She was so... Oh, my God. It's, like, at the tip of my... I hate that. I hate that. Because you're, like... And then you're trying to... Yeah, no. I don't I know. know. What you're saying. She was really into it. <laughs> Determined. No, I don't know. It'll come to me like when I'm reading this. <laughs> no, it'll come to you in the middle of the night tonight when you're sleeping. Yeah, right. You'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, ah, here's That's the word. <laughs> so they did not want Claudette to become the face of the NAACP. And they said it was because at the time she was young mm-hmm. and she was pregnant. Oh. Um. But then I read another article that said, actually, she wasn't pregnant. They just used that as an excuse. <gasps> she didn't get pregnant till later that summer. And they kind of like, so he, her son was born in March 1956. Mm-hmm. So when would you get pregnant if you had a kid in March? March. It'd be like, so March. Um, so it would be summer, right? June. Yeah. So she wouldn't have been pregnant on March 2nd when this happened, 1955. 
So what do you think it was? You think, was her skin really dark? Is that the problem? Or is it too light? Yep. That was the problem. It was too dark. Her skin was dark, and they just, she came from the wrong side of the tracks. And they they didn't want her to be the face. Even the NAACP didn't want her to be the face of the They wanted somebody more light fight. skin. Yeah. That's so fucked up. That's the NAACP being racist. <laughs> I but I mean, I... On one and hand, no, they're, I don't... they're seeing what is going to get them more attention. Right. And I, yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea what it's like to right. live a life yeah. of, of a black person. So I, I'm not saying. But they're trying to do, like you said, whatever it takes to get people to listen and pay attention. Right. Yeah. What's going to work. And if they think that a lighter skinned person, although what they did was racist, I mean, they were just trying. They were like grasping at straws. Not grasping at straws. That's not the right word. But they were just trying to do whatever they could. Yeah, right. So... So her mother actually told her, let Rosa be the one. White people aren't going to bother Rosa. Her skin is lighter than yours, and they like her. Mm-hmm. So she even knew, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Like, she was she was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with the white, her skin being whiter thing, but I get it. Like, I get yeah. why they did it. Yeah. So on March 15th, 1955... Um, Claudette appeared in Montgomery Juvenile Court and was represented by Fred Gray, an African-American civil rights attorney. She was charged with disturbing the peace, violating the city's segregation ordinance, and assaulting policemen. Rose. Sorry, Chris keeps working out, and I'm like, I keep getting notifications that he's... Is he not watching the kids? He must not be. He's working out on the Peloton. Great. He's trying to get ahead of me. I'm going to have to leave, guys. <laughs> Is there a way that you can stop the Peloton from your app? From your app? Yeah. <laughs> Turn it off. Turn it off so it doesn't work. <laughs> like, excuse me, sir. You can't beat me. I'll pay Charlotte to go in there and unplug it every time he gets on. Yeah. He won't be able to figure out what's going on. <laughs> Just loosen the wire. You should, you should text him and be like, uh, d- is dinner ready? Have you made dinner yet? Charlotte just texted me from the iPad. She's She's starving. starving. (laughs) Charlotte loves that iPad, man. I'll call Rose. Does she text you? No, not she hasn't recently, but I've called Rose before and Charlotte answers. I FaceTime Rose. Charlotte answers and I'm like, hey, thinking she's like on picked up Rose's phone. And I assume that Rose is sitting next to her. I'm like, hey, Char, how are you? Good. What you doing? Watching TV, you know, and I have a little conversation with her, you know, and then I go, where's your mom? I don't know. (laughs) What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I don't know where she is. She's not home. I'm like, she's not home. (laughs) And I think I knew Chris was out of town or something. I'm like, what do you mean she's not home? Who's there? (gasps) Oh, I think she is home. I just don't want to go get her. Can you call her back? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I answered on the iPad. And I'm like, okay. So I hang up. I call back. And she answers again. I'm like, and I, meanwhile, I keep getting the notification on my watch. I'm like, why does Lynn keep calling and hanging up? Like, Charlotte, I'm going to call back. You can't hang up. You can't answer. You can't answer. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. So this time I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call back. Don't answer. And then she answered again, didn't she? I think she did. And finally, I went upstairs because I heard her talking. Yeah. And I was like, who are are you talking to, Lynn? And she's like, yeah. She keeps calling. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to go downstairs and get her. I just call her back. And I'm like, oh my God. I changed it so we're not on the same account anymore. But God, it was so funny, though. She's like, I don't feel like going down there. I was laughing so hard because I happened to like walk by the stairs and heard her talking. And I was like, I think I heard you talking oh. over the iPad, and I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and How did Lynn get here? <laughs> and then it all made sense. The, the Like three calls I got from you that I thought you were like, hanging up. I 
just like the fact that she was like, I don't want to go downstairs with her. She's like, first, she's like, she's not home because she knew she was going to have to stop watching whatever she was watching. She's probably watching something on the iPad and on the TV yeah. in your room. No, yeah, no, always. So, anyway, sorry. sorry. Then she gets mad if I turn the TV off. I'm like, really? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... Um, although she defended, so she was charged with disturbing the peace, violating the city segregation ordinance, and assaulting policemen. Which her. she really didn't assault anyone. She no, just, she didn't assault She anybody. just struggled when they drug her off the bus. But of course, that's like she's like, yeah, I think I stepped on their toe, and they were like, oh, uh, that's pretty much assault. Yeah, right. Slap the donut right out of his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so although she defended her innocence on the three charges, she was still found guilty. Of course, the court. Court sentenced her to an indefinite probation and declared her to be a ward of the state. A ward of the state? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. The worst part of it for her was the court of public opinion. People started calling her a troublemaker, and she ended up dropping out of college. And her reputation made it impossible for her to find a job because everyone in the area knew, you know. So on the night of Rosa Parker's or Rose Park's, because I want everybody to have the same name as me. <laughs> I was like, that's what I wrote. You're saying it all wrong. What are you talking about? <laughs> I wrote Rose Parks. I think I just like automatically yeah. write Rose. On the night of Rosa Parker's arrest, the Women's Political Council, who were a group of black women working. What did working... you just say? You said Rosa Parker. Oh, did I? <laughs> Rosa <Yeah>. Parker. <laughs> I was like, wait, no. Rosa Parker's arrest. Rosa Parker. <laughs> Rosa Parks' arrest, the Women's Political Council, who are a group of black women working for civil rights, started handing out flyers calling for a boycott of the bus system. Nice. 40,000 black bus passengers boycotted the bus system on December 5th, and that afternoon, black leaders met to form the Montgomery Improvement Association, the MIA, electing a young pastor, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as their president. They organized carpools, and the African-American taxi drivers would only charge $0.10 cents for, for other African-Americans, which is the same price as the bus fare at the time. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Seems like a lot for back then. $0.10? Cents. Yeah. But, I mean, they had to... I don't know. Considering you could go to the movie for, like, a cent. Well, I feel like, though, <laughs> I mean, they had to pay for all the... You know, like, if they weren't working, that was their work. So they had to pay for their wear and tear in their car and stuff, but... I don't know. I mean, it's that or the bus. No, I'm not talking about them charging, but I'm talking about the bus fare, like being 10 oh, cents. I feel like that's a lot. Oh. Yeah. I guess it is. Maybe it just was that. Well, I don't know. So when I was in elementary school, we had to pay for the bus. Like we'd get on and pay 25 cents. Was it a city bus or a school no, bus? No, a school bus. Wow. Isn't that weird? Because that's not the way it is in the mainland. This was in Hawaii. That's so and weird. it was so normal. Like we'd pay 25 cents. If you didn't have 25 cents, they'd be like... You'd be like, oh, I'll pay you tomorrow. <laughs> I gladly pay you Thursday for a bus ride My today. mom would never give, like, always oh either forget or didn't have oh money to God. give us. And so we'd be like, at lunch, too, we'd do the same thing. Like, I can't pay. Can I pay tomorrow? <laughs> oh, my God. That's so weird, though. I know. Isn't that weird? For I don't know a, if it's yeah. the, the same way now. I, I should no, ask my friend. never. No, I know in the mainland you don't, but I wonder if in Hawaii if it's the same. Oh, I know. So when we were... When I went to school, every year at the beginning of the school year, the bus drivers went on strike. And so for the first couple weeks of school, or the first week or couple days, I don't know. I was young, so time was yeah, different, right. like in my mind. But I remember at the beginning of the school, every year we had to walk. 
No, oh, really? And I remember it being so far. It probably was not that far, but I felt like it I'm took sh- forever to get there. <laughs> and it was like uphill, down. Yeah, uphill, right. Uphill. Yeah, it was like it was. Was it yeah. uphill both ways in snow? No, it was up and down hills both ways, but it was scary because I, yeah, it was, I was not. I mean, I don't know. You I know Lynn was thinking about skipping. She was like, maybe I'll just. I know. I was like, let's cut through the woods <sighs> and then cut through the. There was a hole in the fence to cut through. There was a. Um, there was a um, convent that owned a bunch of property, like, around our school. Yeah. And so if we went through, cut through the woods, like, two sets of woods, and then went through the hole in the fence and went across this big field, trespassing, and then went out, it would cut, it would, it was, like, uh, cutting the whole corner right off. It was, oh, like, really? it was yeah. so much faster. And I was, like, let's cut through the woods. And everyone was, like, no, we're not allowed to go in the woods. And I'm, like, I know, but we're going to walk all the way around and cut through. Let's cut through the woods. Let's cut bullshit. through the woods. So I – Did you find new From friends? first grade on, I wanted to cut through the woods and trespass instead of walk all the way around. <laughs> I mean, come on. And that is stolen. <laughs> yeah. well, she still wants to trespass. Everyone's, like, my sister was such a rule follower. She's, like, no, we're going to walk. Was that Joanne? All the way around, yeah. Christina's a rule follower, too. I got um, Invisalign, and Christina has Invisalign. She's had uh-huh. it for like a year. And I was like, text her today. I'm like, Christina, do you really brush your teeth after every time you eat? Because I'm like, I just stick those. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah. if I'm going to eat again in like an hour, I'm going to stick them back in and then brush yeah. my teeth after that, you know? Right. She's like, yes, I brush my teeth every single time. I'm like, God, you're such a fucking rule follower. <laughs> oh, we're not supposed to talk about her. Oh, we're not. She's Sorry. a rule follower. That's a good thing, though. We love her. We love Christina. <laughs> Lynn's scared of her because she threatened <laughs> Lynn's life. <laughs> she did because I was teasing about her last week. And then Rose edited it to make it sound like I said bad things about her, but I really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And She's I like, talk- why do you guys keep talking about me? We and here we her. are again. We love her. I know. We just love her She's so, so much. She's so much fun. <laughs> okay. So despite her personal challenges, Claudette became one of four plaintiffs in the Browder versus Gale case, along with Ariella S. Browder, Susie McDonald, and Mary Louise Smith. The decision, the, the decision in the 1956 case ruled that Montgomery's segregated bus system was unconstitutional. Mm, nice. Two years later, Claudette moved to New York City, where she had her second son, Randy, and worked as a nurse's aide at a Manhattan nursing, nursing home. She retired in 2004. She didn't tell many people about the part she played in the civil rights movement because people in New York just didn't care about who was sitting next to them on the bus. They were more concerned about economic problems. Like yeah. they, they were way beyond that at that point, yeah. you know? They weren't like fucking Alabama... Yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy. So after the Supreme Court's ruling, things slowly began to change. But of course, some white passengers still refused to sit near a black person. While her role in the fight to end segregation in Montgomery may not be widely recognized, Claudette helped advance civil rights efforts in the city. Her lawyer, Fred Gray, said, Claudette gave all of us the moral court us moral courage. If she had not done what she did, I am not sure that we would have been able to mount the support for Mrs. Parks. So the interesting thing I read, you know, Claudette and um, Rosa Parks were, they were actually pretty close. Okay. And Claudette said whenever she'd go to like youth group and stuff, she'd have, Rosa Parks would have Claudette like talk about that incident. Okay. And, and tell everyone about it and be loud and proud about it. 
So in my mind, I'm like, that's where, if Claudette didn't do that, Rosa Parks may not have ever done what she did. Right. Right? Right. She she kind of laid the groundwork a little right. bit. Right. Like, she really did, because she gave Rosa Parks the idea. Right. And well, gave she, her the courage, probably, to right. do it. Because she was like, well, I'm here's this this young girl right. who did this, and now I have the same situation. I'm going to do it, too. Right. I mean, she still could have. May have done it herself, but I feel like it gave her, like gave her the footing, maybe right, a little yeah. more footing. And she, I mean, that's amazing. When I read that, I was like, oh my god! Like without, with really without her, Rosa Parks never, maybe never would have done what she did, or maybe they got the NAACP got the idea from Claudette and was right. like, well, right. maybe we should have someone do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I, cool. I mean, it's interesting to think about. In 2021, so a couple years ago. Claudette filed a petition to have her juvenile arrest record expunged, saying in an affidavit that justice from the court system was overdue. So she was still on, like, indefinite probation. Oh, my God. That's insane. (laughs) And she's 82. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm not doing it for me. I'm 82 years old, she said in an an interview. But I wanted my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to understand that their grandmother stood up for something very important and that it changed our lives a lot, changed attitudes. The judge who handled her case, Calvin L. Williams, said in an interview that he was aware of its historical significance. So this is kind of cool. He said, it's somewhat of a full circle, historically, that an African-American judge such as myself can sit in judgment of a request— such as this, to give Miss Claudette Colvin really the justice that she so long deserved. 66 years after she was arrested on that bus, Claudette Colvin's record was expunged. Oh, that gave me the goosebumps again. I love that. I love yeah. that a black judge was able to do that, too. I know. That's even cooler. I know. Like, that, that's just like, like, it has to be like, right. you know, like a Barack highlight of his career. Like Obama giving Maya Angelou that award. It's right. the same kind Absolutely. of like, they must feel... Yep. So good about that. You know what I mean? And I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have been the same if a white judge would have done it. Right. You know, the fact that, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Rosa Parks because regardless, she did an amazing thing. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, this girl was 15 years old and did it without anybody saying anything to her. Mm -hmm. She just decided that. Enough. Yeah, I've had enough that I, I have rights to, and I, I deserve as much as these white people, and I'm not going to put up with it anymore. You know, education is power. It's There's so right. much power behind being educated, and, and that's, that's exactly what she did. why they, they yeah. didn't educate slaves, because they didn't want them to have power. Right. Yeah, you're sadly you're right. So, I don't know. It's amazing. That's so cool. I know. She's she's awesome. and That's amazing. Ugh, I love it. Love it! Are you so, done? Are I'm you all done. I'm all done. We're going to take a little breaky break. Eat some dinner. Eat some dinner. All right. We'll see you guys in a little while. Bye. Bye. We're back. We're back. We're back. Was your, was your dinner Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's still going down. <laughs> Lynn was telling me, hurry up and eat. And I did not say hurry up and eat. <laughs> I'm just didn't I just wasn't, I wasn't hungry. She didn't eat, so it made me feel like I had to eat no, really I, fast, I, and now it's I like I don't balls. know why. I, I had, like, we had breakfast <laughs> at 9, so we finished, like, 10. And then I came home and I had some, like, leftover stuff, but it wasn't a whole bunch of stuff, and I just am not hungry. Like, I had a banana and some oranges, and I just didn't even feel like eating them. So I don't know what's wrong with me. So, I mean, I'm never not hungry. So I never have that problem. I, even if I'm not hungry, I still eat. 
Well, I'll eat if I'm bored, but I don't know. That's why, I, must be why I eat. I also have a lot on my mind this week, so I... What's on your mind? Think, why don't you tell us? Are you going to tell you? Yeah. I can't. I'll have to kill you. <laughs> Come on, Lynn. Oh, I can't tell you. No, I just am... I'm just... I'm sad that the kids are leaving and, yeah. I love when they're here, but the couple... Like, a day or so You're so funny. Leave, like, your kids aren't even leaving. I know. I start getting depressed I because I'm like, oh, my God. I oh, my God. So I, last night, started thinking about Joseph because I'm planning... So I told Joseph he graduates next year, mm-hmm. and I told him he could pick any trip, like anywhere on, in the world to go, and we would take him. Oh, girl, what are you loaded with some money? money? No, but we were going to, you know, it's like a year in advance, a year yeah. and a half in advance. Yeah. And he picked an RV trip across the U.S. You're going to go to Alaska to see Caitlin? No, not that. Like, we're just going, like, to Yellowstone. Oh, okay. And then going down into like the Grand Canyons and stuff, and you, yeah, I told Grand you you have to talk to my sister about that because she's done that trip. Mm-hmm. And Caitlin's also driven across too, and she can all you have to ask her too. What yeah. the best national parks and stuff. So I was working on that yesterday, and last night I was like starting to think about things, and I started like bawling in my bed Aww. before bed. I'm like, Joseph's gonna leave. Like it's so sad. It's it's very weird. It is. And even if he goes, I'm like, even if he goes to UVA, which is in our town, like, it's just the significance of graduating and, like, leaving home. It's, and growing up. There's just, right. like, it's, like it's, it's yeah. over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know. You don't think it's going to come that fast. And then it comes and then you're like, wait, I'm not done. Like, I didn't do yeah. everything I wanted I to do wait, yet. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Weren't you six years old a right. year ago? Yeah, when Caitlin left for school. So, Caitlin was a tough teenager. Both my girls were tough. I mean, I was too. So, you know, it's the paybacks. Um, but when she, right when she left, um, she went to school two weeks early and did a Boundary Waters trip. And that's where she met all of her best friends for yeah. life. Um, anyway, so she did this like freshman trip. And so then we went, but right before she left, I don't know if she was getting anxious about leaving, but she was becoming unbearable to be around. And I, I, I was like, I just can't wait for you to go. You're just unbearable. She, I think it was probably, and at the time I didn't know. I was like, what is going on? But I, now I think back and it was probably anxiety yeah, and right. stress. Yeah. So she went and then when she, it was time for her to move into her dorm, I, my, my older sister and I rented a van. Well, actually I had a van already, but we drove up to, we drove over to her school and met her and we moved her into her dorm. And when we pulled away... She was kind of being a little bit crabby then, too. And yeah. it was probably, again, she was nervous or whatever. But um, she already had a group of friends, a core group of friends that maintained she's right, yeah. still friends That's with. Good. And um, we left and my sister was sobbing. And I was like, mm, bye. Really? <laughs> I, I really wasn't that emotional at all. That's so funny. But let me tell you, the second year when I took her, I mean, it makes me almost choke up just to even say this. So the second year, she came home. She was home for the summer, and she's like, I'm so miserable. I'm so miserable. I just want to be able to go swipe a card and eat ice cream. Why can't I do that here? Because like, <laughs> she had a meal, oh, a meal plan. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, everything costs so much money here. And I'm like, well, it costs a lot of money there, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm anyway, <laughs> so she was like, and she couldn't wait to get back. And when I dropped her off. And she saw her friends, and I saw her face light up as we pulled onto that campus and saw – I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) cry. Saw, like, she found herself and her niche because she had always – And you weren't needed anymore? Right. Well, not even that. Just that she was was so crabby as a teenager and just, like, she didn't – 
want to be around me. Yeah. And so, and she always acted like she, not always, but she acted like she was miserable a lot. And she had justifiable, she was justified. I mean, like she had a rough life, you know, like things were tough back then. But she was so happy to be back there. And she was so in her element and just light and just airy is the only way I can describe it. And that's when I cried my eyes out. Really? That's when I sobbed because I was like, she one, she doesn't need me, like you said, and two, she's so happy. And I was sad for me, but I was so happy for her. Yeah, right. And yeah. I just she was a different person. Yeah. Once I dropped her off and I was like, Yeah. See, my thing is Joseph's like really introverted. Yeah. And I I worry about him, like, how's he gonna do? Is he gonna make friends? Is he gonna you know, like that that kind of Do you want me to start teaching him drinking games and stuff now? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then I worry about that. I'm like, what if he becomes an alcoholic? What yeah, if he becomes, yeah. starts doing drugs? But I can't I th- even I can't even imagine him doing any of that stuff. Isn't I know. that weird? I think it's just I don't know. It's just so like. And then I was like thinking about his room. Like I don't know. That makes me like want to cry. <laughs> like his room. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not gonna be in his room anymore. It's so no, sad. He will be every all the time when he comes home and I tells know. you how stupid you are. Yeah, He'll be back I know. in his room. And stop because you're making me all well. It's really <laughs> sad. Like, <laughs> I was bawling last night. I'm like, oh my god, you have to stop. <laughs> Like, you have to go to bed. No, he's going to come home, and it's going to be fun when he's home, though. Because then I tell you, bros, honestly, I fucking hate you for making me cry. <laughs> honestly, hanging out with adult children is the coolest thing yeah, you'll ever experience. Because when they're adults, they're just like – I mean, they still need you. Absolutely. Yeah, right. My kids, you know, my kids constantly call me for stuff and still need me and, and my advice and stuff like that. But – they're also my best friends in yeah. that, like, there was, like, something that happened this weekend, and I was really frustrated and stressed out, and that's part of the reason I'm stressed now. But um, and my kids, like, absolutely came to my defense and were like, you know, this isn't okay, and this is – and, like, totally counseling me on how they think I should handle it. And my kids, you know, we've all been through therapy. And so it was really – it was like having, like, my strongest team of allies around yeah, me right, through yeah. a really stressful time for yeah. me. And so that's, like, having adult kids is, like – I'm telling you, it's the coolest. Yeah. Because, you know, you're like seeing them, you know, not dependent on you, being adults and amazing. Yeah, I know. And it's exciting. That's exciting when they get to that part, though. But yeah. there's like all the worry in between. Oh, my God. Well, like now and then. Girl, don't even, don't even, don't even joke yourself because I still fucking worry. Well, every yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Casey's driving. I'm like, kept checking her location. Okay. She's okay. The car's moving. The car's <laughs> moving. Okay. She's okay. 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 Wait. Why is she off of some random exit? Wait. Did somebody did somebody rob her and throw her? Oh my god! I'm yeah, like that like, was Joseph. To- yeah, freaking... totally. Like, uh, like the other day, I'm like checking his because it was like later than he usually gets home for school, and it was raining, and I was like, oh my god! And I'm like checking, <laughs> and he was like driving some weird route. I first still forgot to ask him, like, what the hell are you doing over there? Maybe he's giving somebody a ride home or something. No, I don't know. I need to ask him about that because I'm like, why are you driving uh-huh. through there? But uh-huh. um, I, um, yeah. So I looked at his his location, and I was like, oh my god. And then I'm like, okay, you don't need to look at it again. And then I'm like, he's not holding me out. We're looking at me look again. <laughs> I know. I Casey was just um, on a trip. She went out of the country, and I kept looking at her location. And it was like, her phone was near the airport, but in some woods. That's where it was showing her phone. I'm like, oh my god, her purse got stolen. Somebody threw it out of a window. I was freaking out. Okay, I would have been thinking like somebody killed her. She's in the woods. No, I was like, oh my god. Or yeah, no, totally like that too. I was like, all these things going through my head. So finally, I was like, okay, Lynn, 
hey, did you guys make it safe? She's like, yep, we're <laughs> yeah, in the right. airport waiting for our luggage. I was like, okay, thanks. It was just like a tower thing. That's what probably. I did. I just asked Joseph, like, oh, so blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. I was like freaking out. I'm like, okay, relax. So, And she no. gets so annoyed at me when I'm like, where are you? She's like, you like literally have my location. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like you're dead in the woods. So can yeah. you just confirm that I you're see, alive? I see your phone where there's no roads within 20 miles. And I just want to make sure somebody didn't kill you and shove your body in the ground. Thank you. <laughs> and it's so funny because remember how irritating that was when your mom would do that? Oh, oh, well, we didn't have cell phones when I was. Well, yeah, but I mean, your mom would be like asking questions and you're oh, like, yeah. God, leave me alone. I want her phone number. Are her parents going to be home? Will, it be the, will there be boys there? Mom, no. <laughs> I was the only girl. <laughs> just <Yeah>. kidding. One <laughs> was a little hoe. No, I was Hopeful not. show. I was not, Rose. No, she still is. I went to a Catholic school. I was a Catholic girl. <laughs> That's the yeah. worst. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so you ready okay. to hear about my lady? I am. All right. So Henrietta was born on August 1st, 1920 in Roanoke, Virginia. Oh, wow. When she was four years old, her mother died while giving birth to her... Tenth child, Rose. God, shoot me. Tenth child. After her mother died in 1924, her father and his ten children moved to Clover, Virginia, where they had many relatives and ancestors who worked as slaves. So, um, as we know from previous podcasts and people that we've spoken about, these men back in this time did not raise kids on their own very often. Um, Were they slaves? What, you're no, 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 no. They, her, his ancestors worked as slaves, oh, okay. and he had many relatives okay. in the Clover, Virginia area, okay. which I absolutely forgot to look up where Clover, Virginia is. So why don't you Google that? I meant to look it up, and I totally—I just remembered I forgot. So her father divided the children to be raised by relatives because ten kids is a lot, right, Rose? You mean you don't think anybody would take those? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love my sister's kids, but if she had ten. Mm, Oh, I my God, not. never. Or as Casey would say, I think the fuck not. I would take in two. That's my limit. Okay. So so a lot of my – so I want to tell you a little bit a little bit really quick before so I move on. it's all the way down near the border of North Carolina. So is it like – Really in, close to South Boston. Oh, okay. So it's like South – okay, okay. It's um, east of Danville and east of South Boston. Okay, so it's not in yeah. the South – okay. So um, – I read last year. I read a, a book um, called "The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks." Okay, and I was talking to my son's partner, and we we're he's like, "Who are you doing next week?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I can't decide." We're doing Black History Month, and he was like, "Oh, you should do Henrietta Lacks." And I was like, "Wait, why does that name sound familiar?" And he started telling me about her, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh, I read that's the so book. cool. You already read the book. I read the book last year, and I was like, "Oh my god, I totally forgot." So a lot of this comes from the book itself. Okay. And so the author of the book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, was Rebecca Skloot. And she, um, I quote her a lot in this book, and I, in this story, and I talk a lot about the book. Okay. But, um, she said that Henrietta's father didn't have the patience to raise children. I mean, girl, who has the patience to raise 10 children? I know. I mean, so that's why the they got divided up. patience to raise up. three children? Yeah. <laughs> or one child. <laughs> or five. <laughs> um, so her father divided them. I mean, it made sense because back then men worked like constantly. So Yeah, and yeah. they definitely didn't raise children. Not I mean, 10. Not any, no. but not 10. Yeah, know? I mean, I'm sure she was raising them. The mother was raising them alone pretty much while the oh, dad yeah. worked. But, and the kids help, but whatever. So anyway, so um, 
Henrietta was ended up being raised by her grandfather, Tommy Lax, who was simultaneously raising his other grandchild, another grandchild, Henrietta's first cousin, David Lax, who they called Day. So the grandfather was doing this? The grandfather was raising by himself. Henri- by himself was raising Henrietta and another cousin. That's weird. Yeah. Um Day. So her cousin Day stopped attending school in fourth grade, but Henrietta continued till sixth grade, which seems to be at that point it was like the max. That was the max, yeah. yeah. Um, so on the 10th of April, 1941, at age 20, Henrietta married her cousin, Day Lax. Which... My, hold on, i got to tell you a joke. My grandfather used to always say he only went up to the fifth grade because he didn't want to pass his father in the sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> And you would say it, you'd laugh every time, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like, a peppy joke. He used to tell us so sweet. I love that. I love that. My my great grandfather, not my grandfather. Well, my grandfather used to tell us really cool stories. My great grandfather, I remember, was like a hundred when he died. So when he would tell us stories, it was about like him like riding penny farthing bikes around New York City. <laughs> yeah, so right. Like, sh- like insane stuff. Yeah. And we'd all sit around him, my oh, cousins so and I, cool. and he'd yeah. tell us stories. It was, he'd tell us like about his tattoos. Oh my God, he was so cool. My grandfather was like one of those people you could never like, is that true or? Yeah. Like he, he played um, in a band with Patsy Cline. Did he really? Yeah, before she was famous. Oh my God, that's so cool. Isn't that awesome? That is so yeah. neat. He loved, he played the guitar. The guitar? The Did gu- you say the guitar? <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> Mother of God, he played the guitar, y'all. I say guitar funny. The guitar. <laughs> the guitar. I just think I heard banjo play. <laughs> she said the guitar. As soon as I said it, I was like, damn it, she's going to say something. I will never I let you leave that one down. I can't say it. I don't know why. The guitar. The guitar. The guitar. It sounds like to me like I'm saying guitar. No. <laughs> guitar? Guitar. Guitar. Not guitar, <laughs> unless you're from West Virginia. <laughs> the guitar, and unless her. you married your cousin. Well, actually, Henrietta did, but I think back back then it was kind of normal. Oh my God, did she marry Day? She married Day. Oh God, I just said on April tenth, nineteen forty one, at age twenty. Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. Hen- oh, you bitch! Henrietta <laughs> married her cousin Day Lax. Oh, wow. Yeah, she gross. married him. I mean, back then I think it was not that uh, that uncommon. Yeah. So Henrietta's cousins encouraged she and her husband to move to Turner Station, Maryland, uh, where they were moving in order to work at Bethlehem Steel, a steel company, so they could escape the pottery. The pottery. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Mom. My mom does pottery. The poverty surrounding being a taco. Oh, my God. (laughs) A taco farmer. (laughs) <laughs> I said a taco farmer. <laughs> oh my god. There's a new play show. <laughs> if you play a guitar, <laughs> they grow a taco. <laughs> oh my god. Go right on the ground with a show and all. <laughs> Oh, my God. Kill me right now. Kill me right now. (laughs) They went to work at Bethlehem Steel so they could escape the poverty surrounding being a tobacco farmer. (laughs) Oh, my God. A taco farmer? That sounds amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would totally be, like, driving down the road and pull over and just, like, keep my weight in tacos. (laughs) Only if you brought your guitar. (laughs) 
I play songs on the guitar. <laughs> oh, my God. Immediately after the wedding, the couple moved. They went ahead and moved to Turner Station so Day could work for Bethlehem Steel. at Spar- And this was in Sparrow's Point. It wasn't long before the couple started that family. Both Henrietta and her husband were Catholic, and together they had five children. That's Lawrence. <laughs> they had five children. Lawrence, Lucille, David Jr., Deborah, and Joseph. Oh, Joseph. Um, unfortunately, the daughter, their daughter Lucille, who they called Elsie, had a develop had developmental issues. Um, so around 1950, Henrietta got. Oh, so I'm sorry. Take that out. Um, so had the disabilities. Okay. Um, Around 1950, Henrietta got together with some of her female cousins, and she told them she felt as though she had a knot inside of her. A week she after, was having sex with her cousin. <laughs> yeah, because she was having sex with her cousin. It made gave her a little upset stomach. <laughs> a week after telling her cousins about the feeling of a knot, she became pregnant. And I was like, oh, well, that's when I was reading the book. I was like, oh, well, there you go. She was like premonition with her fifth child. During a pregnancy with Joseph, Henrietta was having a hard time handling Elise's disability. She was getting bigger and stronger. The doctors recommended that she and Day send Elise to a hospital for the Negro Insane. Uh, this is quoted from the oh, book, that's y'all. So um, which was later renamed the Crownsville State Hospital in Crownville, Maryland. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, they just like... And, you know, they probably didn't have any resources back then. Oh, I mean, I'm sure. At all. Like, and it's so sad. Sure in the book, and I'm ta- sure they treated her really well in that home. Oh, God, Rose. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine how bad it was. I it, Just the thought of it makes me physically I know. ill. In 1951, Henrietta continued to feel a knot inside of her stomach. And combined with her unusual vaginal breeding, breeding her unusual vaginal va- <laughs> In 1951, Henrietta continued to feel a knot inside of her stomach, combined with her unusual vaginal bleeding and a lump on her cervix that persisted months after giving birth, she decided to seek medical attention. According to the book, prior to her hospital visits, everyone would go in her family to visit a local statue of Jesus, lay flowers at the statue's feet, say a prayer, and rub the statue's big toe for good luck. So I have to tell you, my grandmother always had statues in her yard. My grandmother's a little Italian lady who had, she had Padre Pia, and she had the Virgin Mary. Yeah. So is your grandmother the same as your nanny? My nanny, yeah, same. Same, My, okay. my nanny, okay. yeah. Um, and a statue of um, St. Anthony. And it was basically like a little shrine in the yard. It had a garden around it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think it. one of them at least had a light on it. And, yeah, and she would... Say little prayers in front of him, you know, throw holy water on him, stuff like that. Very, very superstitious that way. Um, so Did she rub his big toe? We never rubbed his big toe. Were you rubbing his penis? I didn't. He had a gown on. I couldn't see mm, his penis. Sure. I tried to look You know up. Lynn was looking. I tried. <laughs> tried. <Pantropia>. <laughs> Henrietta decided to go to the Johns Hopkins Hospital. Only when she thought there was no other options for her. The Johns Hopkins Hospital was the only hospital in Henrietta's area that would treat Henrietta, Hen, that would treat her. Um, though she did receive her care in what was referred to as the colored ward of the hospital. Uh, in 1951, renowned gynecologist Dr. Howard 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 Howard. 
1951, renowned gynecologist Dr. Howard Jones discovered a large malignant tumor on her cervix. At the time, John Hopkins Hospital was the only one of a few hospitals to treat poor African Americans. Henrietta kept her diagnosis private. Each time she had to go to the doctor, she only told her husband she just needed to get medicine. According to the author of the book, she didn't want to tell her family her diagnosis because she was determined to deal with her diagnosis herself and not cause anyone worry. That's so sad. And I, like, read this and it broke my heart because I'm kind of, like, I'm not like this in the fact that if something's wrong, I'll definitely tell yeah, the people that know. love me. But I don't. <laughs> I know. Rose knows Lynn much. stubbed her toe the other yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't like to worry people with unnecessary things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'll be like, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody. And then. So I definitely Maybe get you this. just tell me and worry me and then not yeah. tell anyone else. Right. That's pretty much what happens. <laughs> because I just feel, I like, I don't want my kids to freak out. My son is like, would get so freaked out. And I just. I, you know, like until I figure out what's wrong. Yeah. So anyway, so I totally connected with her there. Um, According to the medical records, Henrietta began undergoing radium treatments for her cervical cancer. This was the best medical treatment available at the time. While she was sedated on the operating table for her first procedure, her surgeon obtained two tissue samples from her, one taken from her tumor and one taken from her normal cervical tissue. Then, the physician placed Henrietta's tissue samples in a glass dish, had a resident transfer the samples to John John Hopkins Hospital researcher and head of tissue culture, Dr. Otto Gay. So, for years, Dr. Gay, a prominent cancer and virus researcher, had been collecting cells from all patients, regardless of their race or socioeconomic status. Um, Anybody who came to the hospital with cervical, cervical cancer... Um, but each sample quickly died in his lab. So he was like, oh, I'm wow. getting all. He was trying to do this yeah. research. To see. So what Dr. Gay would soon discover was that Henrietta's cells were unlike any of the others that had ever seen. Really? Where other cells would die immediately in the Petri dish, Henrietta's cells doubled every 20 to 24 hours. Holy shit. They were doubling on their own. Like they, it, This is like research he had been doing for a really long yeah. time. Gay provided Henrietta's tissue samples to his research assistant, Mary Kubajak, Kubajek. And he asked Mary, uh, he tasked Mary with culturing Henrietta's tumor cells and healthy cervical cells. So he passed them on to her and he's like, I want you to culture them and like get everything going and see what we can do with these because yeah. they were like doubling and they were like freaking out. So just so you know, cell culture involves growing tissues or cells outside of the individual from which the cells were derived. According to the book, um, Kubitschek was skeptical that Henrietta's cells would continuously multiply as none of the samples they had cultured previously had successfully multiplied. Kubitschek picked up Henrietta's tumor sample, covered it in a culture medium, and labeled the sample HeLa. The H-E for the first two letters of her name and the L-A for the first two letters of LAX. During the time in history, it was common for for physicians to use patient samples from public wards without their knowledge or consent. So they would just take their samples and, like, run them and do all the kind of stuff with them. The only form of consent consent that John Hopkins Hospital had for Henrietta was an operation permit, basically saying that she consented to the, the... operative procedures, anesthetic, deemed necessary for the proper surgical care. Mm-hmm. There was no 
released nothing about her cells or all that stuff. And so it's just like they were taking them and then running them like to run cancer tests and yeah. stuff like that. And she didn't, nobody ever told her. So incredibly, the HeLa, like, so she's known as the HeLa. Like if you read medical journals about it, it's called the HeLa cell. It flourished. And Henrietta's cervical tumor cells continue to multiply or grow continuously at a previously extraordinarily rate. Weeks after she left the hospital following her initial radium treatment to resume working in the tobacco fields, as sick as this is, her tumor cells continue to grow in cultures in Gay's lab, multiplying 20 times faster than her normal cells. So she has cancer and she still has to work in tobacco fields? Absolutely. Absolutely. She's still working in a tobacco field with, with cancer, yeah, cervical cancer. But her cancer cells were multiplying yeah, that's crazy. like faster than her normal cells, right. which her normal cells were multiplying ridiculously, which nobody that's else is doing. And it's like, it's it's bizarre. Like, it's such a cool, like, thing of science. Right, yeah. So Gay informed his colleagues that the lab may have grown the first immortal human cell line and he offered them vials of her hen- of of Henrietta cells. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Whose fucking cells are these? Yeah, right. You need to are pay these for yours? That. Then she, leave them the fuck alone. She could have got some money for it. I mean, I understand him doing medical research and trying to like cure cancer and do like things with like medical like. Yeah. But first of all, you, you, they're not yours to give. Right. Yeah. Oh, it, it pissed me off when I read that. I was like psycho. <laughs> I was like, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> So for a little over a month after her diagnosis in 1951, Henrietta's family still did not know about her cancer. The treatment she was receiving had well-known side effects, such as nausea, vomiting. And if Henrietta had any of these symptoms, she was able to hide them from her entire family. I can't even... Can you imagine? I can. Oh, my God. It just breaks my heart. And she was still working and everything. I know. So as her treatment progressed and her tumor began to shrink, they started X-ray therapy. Because her husband worked nights and could not pick her up from treatment, she needed to tell the two cousins, uh, two of her cousins, about the cancer so they could accompany her until her husband was able to pick her up. I can't even imagine. Like, this, like, so she finally has so to tell sad. people. She's doing all this alone. I know. That sucks. So her cancer, unfortunately, had quickly spread mm-hmm. throughout her body. And in September of 1951, her internal organs were almost entirely covered with cancerous oh, tumors. Geez. She died at the age of 31 on the 4th of October. 31. October 1951. Her official cause of death was recorded as terminal uremia. So terminal uremia occurs when the kidneys are unable to filter blood the way they should and consequently high levels of toxins built up in the blood. Normally functioning kidneys work with the liver to remove and filter out toxins and other byproducts that the body produces. There was no obituary for Henrietta, yet Gay's lab found out that she died, and according to the author of the book, Gay requested an autopsy to validate the potential for further samples from Henrietta's various organs. Oh, wow. Okay, so her family still has no idea that, I mean, they know that she's she's died. They have no idea that her cells have been... <laughs> they know that she's dead. They have no idea that her cells have been, like, multiplying and being tested. Yeah, right. And, like... They have a bazillion of her cells now, right, to test. Her family has no idea that this is going on. Okay. In order to comply with the law, which stated that an autopsy could not be completed without permission, Gay needed permission from Henrietta's family. 
So according to the book, physicians only convinced Henrietta's husband to authorize the autopsy after claiming they would run medical tests on Henrietta that could produce beneficial health information for his children. Yeah. It was it had nothing to do with his right, children. It yeah. had all to do with like the, the greed of the science. They just and, found the way to and, I mean I I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just feel like science is an amazing thing. And I think it's amazing that they were they were having this science and they were like, you know, they were like years and years and years of nothing happening and they were just exploding with glee right. of you know, this this like scientific phenomenon. But they could have been honest. But about they it. they should have told her family. Yeah, right. But then if they did what would have happened? Yeah, like right? maybe they wouldn't have said yes. But still, they should have still been honest. Right. I mean, she basically lives on. Right. I mean, yeah. more or less. So today, these incredible cells, nicknamed HeLa cells, are used to study the today, still. Yeah. Because they're still multiplying. To study the effects of toxins, drugs, hormones, and viruses on the growth of cancer cells without experimenting on humans. Um, they have been used to test the effects of radiation and poisons to study the human genome, geno- genome to learn more about viruses, how viruses work, and played a crucial role in the development of the polio and COVID-19 vaccines. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's cells that keep developing, so they can try them over and over. It's just, it's like... So it's still her cells? It's still her cells. Wow. They're called the HeLa cells. So anybody that's, that's like a doctor knows about the HeLa Oh, my God, the HeLa cells. Like, so do like they a, know why that happened? No. Like, I never figured out. Like, they don't really talk about why. It's just a phenomenon. That's like, there's amazing. no reason why yeah. that I found. And Lord Rose, if they did talk about it in the book, I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> Despite the widespread use of Henrietta's cells in research, Henrietta's identity as a donor of the HeLa cell line was known to only the scientific community in 1970. Before Henrietta's own family became aware in 1975, though Gay claimed that his initial intent was to keep Henrietta's name private, maintaining the secrecy of the HeLa cell donor allowed for research institution and companies to profit from Henrietta's cells. So they were keeping it all quiet yeah, away right. from her family. Yeah. Think about how much money her family really is owed from this. Right. No shit. Right? I mean, the pharmaceutical companies? Come on. That cell donor allowed for research institution income. Oh, I already read that. Mm. That also meant that Henrietta's family gave no consent and received no compensation for Henrietta's unknowing donation. That's, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, they're a poor family. Right. That's insane. And, and she was, and while, they have no while idea, they were I'm sure. making all this money on her cells, she was working in a tobacco field with uterine cancer. Right. Hello? <laughs> And I'm oh sure God. her kids and her husband are super poor because yeah. now they, they're they like one income. Yeah. No, they were like, yeah. I mean, they, oh, it made me crazy. Many researchers, many researchers attribute the current requirement for documented patient consent for research samples to Henrietta's story. Yeah, uh, yeah no shit. Although although these were the first cells that could be easily shared and multiplied in a lab setting, Johns Hopkins has never sold or profited from the discovery or distribution of HeLa cells and does not own the rights to the HeLa cell line. Rather, Johns Hopkins offered HeLa cells freely and widely for scientific research. So who knows how that really went? I mean, that's what they say. So this paragraph I added at the very last minute, and I'm taking this right out of one of my sources. On 25 March 1976, reporter Michael Rogers first 
brought the HeLa cell lines connection with lax to public attention. So before this, nobody knew. Her right. family didn't know. Nobody knew. Yeah. Rogers had learned about the HeLa cell line after seeing Helen Lane Lives written in a urinal in a medical school bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. Rogers initially set out to find the elusive Helen Lane, but upon meeting scientist Walker Nelson Rays, Rogers identified Lax as the true donor of the HeLa cell line. So it was like somebody, anyway. So before Rogers revealed Lax's identity to the public, only rumors of the identity of the woman whose cells produced the HeLa cell line circulated among the public. Helen Lane being one of the rumored names of the donor, Rogers' Rolling Stone article established Lax as the actual woman whose cells were used to make the HeLa cell line. In 2010, the uh, Sklut, the author of the book, published her book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which has later uh, developed into a film with the same name, Released in 2017, Sklut describes Lax as a poor black tobacco farmer whose cells became one of the most important tools in medicine. In her book, Sklut combines Lax's personal narrative with a historical context regarding ethical issues of race and class in medicine. Lax's daughter, Deborah Lax, provided personal insight regarding her mother's story to Sklut in the making of The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. So I do remember reading in the book, like, a lot of the book is the author talking to Deborah, the daughter, uh-huh. and going places with Deborah, the daughter. Like, going going and finding out about her sister, who was in the institution all those years, oh, finding yeah. out about, like, what her life was like. And it was... It was very intense and it was very emotional at times yeah. for Deborah because she was finding out things that she never knew. I'm sure. And it was it was pretty intense. So Johns Hopkins applauds and regularly participates in efforts to raise awareness of the life and story of Henrietta Lacks. They started they they stated, sorry, having reviewed our inf- Interactions with Henrietta Lacks and the Lacks family over more than 50 years, we found that Johns Hopkins could have and should have done more to inform and work with the members of Henrietta Lacks family out of respect for them, their privacy, and their personal interests. Though the collection and use of Henrietta Henrietta Lacks cells in research was an acceptable and legal practice in 1950, I mean, there was no laws against it. Such a practice would not happen today without a patient's consent. No shit. I mean, think about how fucking wealthy her family would be. Right. And I still and they think they, they're owed money. Yeah. I still think they're owed money. I'm sorry. So they never never paid anything? No. Not that not that I'm aware of. Shit. We are deeply committed to the ongoing efforts at our institution and elsewhere to honor the con- contributions of Henrietta Lacks and to ensure the appropriate protection and care of the Lacks family's medical information. No, you're not. That's such a bullshit response. Like I know, it's it's a it's so bullshit. They're you know? in the money. They're in it for the money. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I mean, her family should have. I mean, the pharma any pharmaceutical company that has used her DNA, yeah, should or her, be paying her, cells, her. Right, should be paying her millions and millions right. of dollars. Her I mean, family her should family be getting now, a ton of right money. Right now, right. her descendants should be getting money. Yeah, absolutely. 
That's bullshit. They can't just steal her DNA and then be like, oh, yeah, well, it was stolen in 1950 and there was no, there were no laws then. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. They're still using right. it now and there's laws yeah, now. Yeah, there's, there are laws I now. I definitely feel like they there's should, like a huge, I wish there they was need a big to sue them. I need to look into it a little bit more and see if there's anything new on it, but. Sue them, sue them, sue yeah. them. <laughs> I'll have to give you the book and see if you, if you want to read it. But it's, it's definitely a really cool book. And I, I feel like, I feel like, like, what is it about her? She's some sort of chosen one. Like, why do her cells, like, but how many people's cells do this? And, and they we just, just don't, don't know. know. Right. Yeah. Like, what is it about her DNA? And, like, um, they wanted, there was, like, a whole story about, like, her kids and how they wanted her kids to all go in and get right. tested and stuff. And the kids were, like, very hesitant. And they, you know, well, because yeah, well, you one of the things they the talked fuckers. about in one of the articles I read was uh, we didn't want to go in there and give our blood because the whole smallpox thing. You know, with, right, with African Americans yeah, yeah. being treated differently and and oh, yeah, made I totally understand guinea that. pigs, so they were like, "No, we're not doing that." And I totally get that. Yeah. But and the fact that they took her stuff and stole it and didn't pay anyone, I just I think I mean back then it was wasn't legal, but if they're still using it now, yeah, I feel don't like they it owe should, her money? Right. I mean, I don't know. That's I mean, the, and the scientific like the COVID vaccine. The COVID vaccine, yeah, right? How much? How many hundreds and millions of thousands of dollars has the COVID vaccine yeah. produced? It's all gone to probably one person. Yeah, no, it's gone to it's gone to it. three gone to, pharmaceutical right, yeah. companies, right? Yeah. Or Such four. So aggravating. But this woman literally gave her life for medical science, and That's her so family sad. lived in poverty. Cancer sucks. Cancer is the worst, but I just feel like I feel like this woman's owed so much more. It it makes me a little cuckoo. I wish I had like just unlimited money because I would be like I'd go out to her family and be like, hey, let's get a lawsuit going. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. I'll pay for everything. Yeah. I just oh, I just can't. I know. It's so frustrating, but I just think it's like when I was reading the book. You know who gave me the book? Yana gave me the book. Oh, that doesn't surprise she me. She gave it to me for my birthday, and. I was like, what is this? She goes, have you read this? And I'm like, oh, she goes, it's so great. Well, Yana, our friend, is a nurse. Yeah. And so I was and like, we call oh, her Dolly Yama. The Dolly, Dolly Yana. The Dolly Yana, because she knows everything. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is cool, whatever. And I read it, and I was like, oh, my God, this book is amazing. Yeah. It's just so cool. And Yana gives the best gifts. Like, she she, she really, like, her gifts are very thoughtful. Well, and well, a book like that was just so yeah. cool. And remember we were at the the little library at the beach? Yeah. The little free little yeah. library. And she's like, oh, that's a great book. And the book she gave me, I freaking loved. Yeah. I don't even remember which one it was now. But We love Yana. She's the best. She's the best, Yana. We she's love you. She's like in her 60s and in her, fifth. I think when she turned 50, she decided to run a marathon in every state. Every state. And she's been working on it. Yeah. She's, I don't know how far along she is, but she's pretty far along. She's yeah. a badass. She is. She Well, she, and we joke that she has a pipe. Like, what, what, what is it? I don't even we remember. We call her the pipe because she... she still plays soccer. Yeah. <laughs> and on the soccer field, she, she like just takes people out with her arms because yeah. she's the pipe. It's her pipe. Yeah. She's amazing. She's an amazing woman. She's, she's totally badass. bad. So when we go on our girls trips, it's so Rose So we say youngest. she's in her 60s, but like, but it's like our girls trip is amazing because it's you're not the like she's like in her 60s. Yeah. How old is Christina? For she's me? about she's 49. So she's 12 years older. You're how old are you? 13. You're 13? <laughs> I'm 30. So you're in your 30s. Seven. Oh, my God. Rose, you know how old you are, you dumb bitch. I'm 37. So you're in your 30s. 
Christina's in her 40s. I'm in my 50s. And Giannis is in her 60s. It's very funny because yeah, right. the four of us go out of town and we have – and Jenny's what? How old is Jenny? She's my – she's a few years old. Maybe a year or so older than okay. me. Jenny doesn't go on as many trips, but we go on our girls' trips. It's like such an array of ages, right? So right. I know. It is to funny. To 60s. But we all have so much fun, and it's like really relaxing, and there's no like – expectation and i think you know like i think people think like 60s 50s are like oh that's old uh, fuck you but, no 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 honestly <laughs> like i think people think that but like honestly like friends with like being friends with you and yana it's like no it's, it's not yeah. it's not you're not old like you're not at all old. no like, it's like yana yana's close to retirement I, like totally counting is. down to retirement. And Absolutely. you would never look at Yana and think she was old. No. And the thing is, too, like when we went the like last year when we went shopping, I had been working at the restaurant like oh my, God, my second my job. Favorite, yeah. And I went shopping and spent like a lot of money I know, on clothes because so I. I just was so excited to have like new clothes and because I had lost weight. Yeah. And um, Yana just stayed home and worked on a puzzle yeah. in red. And we and just. It, and it's just like, like, yeah, right. Like, it's just oh, all... you can't not come with us or whatever. And yeah. it was like totally fine we nobody cares yeah and it's like i don't want to go i don't want to do that and like, okay. we went and had fun and yeah. then came home, home and with Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's it yeah it's fine. definitely a good very good group of good group of women so we'll have to do some stories while we're on our girls trip in two weeks yeah yeah we're like do some it's it's so much fun it's so relaxing because like we're all like whatever you yeah, know what did, i mean what did we do three puzzles last time yeah like, we totally did. like we were tearing up the bars <laughs> yeah <laughs> We eat good food, we make good drinks, we eat good snacks, and we do a lot of puzzles. Yeah. Yeah. We so. have, yeah, the drinks are flowing. Yeah. Flowing. We're having a lot of fun. That's why we love Christina, because she makes our drinks. Yeah, Christina's Christina. the best. We love her. <laughs> we love you, Christina. Lynn's afraid because she was talking shit about Christina that I was Christina not, isn't going to make I her I did not talk drinks. shit about her. Rose edited, so it sounded yeah, like maybe right. it was her. She was saying mean things, and no, I tried I to stick up for my sister. My or, big sis. Whatever, Rose. <laughs> so you guys don't forget to listen to No Ordinary Women Pod on Instagram, Twitter. No, no to, I'm sorry, Instagram. We don't want them to listen to it. We want no. them to follow us. Follow on. us and comment on No Ordinary Women Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And on the Twitter, it's No Ord Women Pod. O R D. No Ord Women Pod. And don't forget about our new friends. Yeah, new Sisters Take a Side podcast. Go listen to them and, sisters take and give them some love. Yes. They're, they're really good. They're really funny. You guys will it, love them. In the comments, when you leave them a comment on Apple or Spotify, just make sure you like, you can do love you. Uh, let's see. Or just ma- make sure you mention us in the comment, like now. Like now sent us N-O-W, No Ordinary Women. Now sent us. We love your podcast, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Just so they know that we – what did you say, no? I said, yeah. Oh, I thought you said no. I was getting ready to rumble with you. So make sure you let them know in the comments that we are the ones that sent you. Please listen to them and and um, give them some great ratings because we're, like, trying to do some cross-pollination here. Yeah, they, they are honestly really good, though. We lo- we're we the do birds. Like they're the bees. <laughs> okay it's time to go ladies and gentlemen yeah lynn's had too much to drink no, I haven't. not nearly right. enough all right bye you guys, bye, guys. <laughs>